At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We are less than six days away from the start of Miami Dolphins training camp, and things are slugging along. Lots of drama on social media, but we're not going to talk about any of that here on Finsider Radio, a.k.a. the Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's The Finsider. No, today Jake and I plan to bring you our top moves of the offseason. Some may be obvious, others not so much, but before we get into all of that, let me introduce you to the one, the only, the verified gangster himself. You can follow him at Twitter, at jmeandel 94 Jake, how's it going today, man? Josh, I'm doing good. You know what? I have to say, I have, I'm yet to get sick of uh, people saying, oh, yeah, you're verified. It's just one of those things. Um, it really doesn't mean much, but but it's just kind of one of those things you can say you did, uh, kind of like riding a roller coaster or something along those lines. Josh, I, I want to ask you before we get into this, it's really our last show before news starts to pick up. You know, everyone's starting to return from summer break. Everyone's breaking out their fresh new pencils, and we're going to do that, too, starting next week. Uh, shows more often. Uh, there's going to be news coming out left and right. I, I believe the Dolphins, one of their games, uh, just got switched to be live, their, their third game, I, I think. No, second, second. Bears game. Uh, the Bears game is now a primetime game, and I think the Bengals game is, so I think two yep. of them, I guess, 
Two of watch the three them twice then. in prime time. And so, so we we certainly can't wait for that. But but before we get into that, Josh, I, I gotta ask, do you uh, in Pennsylvania there is horse racing a big thing for you guys? Dude, it is. I, I mean, I haven't done it in a long time, but there were times when we'd go up to Penn National Racecourse, and it's funny enough, they're now owned by Barstool, but, uh, you know, I think they have something in with them. But, dude, we used to go out there all the time, and it's exhilarating, man. Have you? Are you into it? Let's hear your story. I think you got something you want to say. So, you know, in, in Western Massachusetts here, um, people ask where I'm from, and, and I'll say, you know, Pittsfield, and, and they'll say, you know, where's that? And I'll say Western Mass, and they're like, oh, you're near Worcester, or depending on who you talk to, oh, you're near Worcester. Uh, and I, I say, no, 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 we're about an hour away. So we're basically New Yorkers, uh, and working at the Berkshire Eagle in the sports department, I had the opportunity to go over to uh, the Saratoga racetrack. It opened up last week. I think anybody who's uh, probably a little intense into horse racing is uh, – no, knows of Saratoga. I think they're broadcasting today on Fox. I could be uh, yep. a little mistaken there. Uh, but Josh, I, I just wanted to chat about this for a minute because I mean, it's just it, one, it's great to be back in, in live audiences. I have to say that. But the two things that stuck out to me, one, I think everyone will agree that it's literally a cigar factory. The entire place smells like smoke. And, and Josh, do you know those ice cream cones you get where uh, you buy them at the store and, and at the bottom, there's just that little chunk of chocolate at the bottom of the cone, excuse me, there's that little chunk of chocolate. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm over here laughing. I don't know where you're going. Just chunk of chocolate <laughs> so, at the bottom of the cone is not something I was expecting. I'm loving this. Ready for this metaphor. So it was cigar smoke, but that chunk of chocolate, you could just smell marijuana, just that little chunk of chocolate. <laughs> and since it's legal here in Mass, I was just dying laughing because you just got that like underlying wave of it. And then number two, I mean, Josh, when you go to these events, you're expecting $15 for a beer, right? And, you know, I was going to I was gonna be one of those guys. I got all my pictures. I did my interviews. I was going to, you know what? I'm going to put my feet up. I might even get a beer and just enjoy the atmosphere. I said, no, I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to come back. I'm going to do this podcast with you. I'd rather do that anyway. So I get an iced coffee there. You know, a lot of these places have like Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks built in. You know, football, you know, stadiums are the same way. Dude, I paid three fifteen for my medium iced coffee black. Usually, this thing was only four dollars. I feel like I hijacked them because it just seemed like coffee shouldn't be that cheap at a racetrack. I feel like I came out victorious because I didn't, you know, spend double or triple the amount needed to just buy a drink. Yeah, I don't know who you're with, but you should have had the cars running, or you should have hopped on one of them horses and got the hell out of there because they <laughs> def- that thing's normally twice that price at most places. <laughs> so that's my thrilling story about how I, uh, uh, you know hijacked a medium-ized coffee black and was chilling with some horses today, Josh. So without with all that kind of out of the system, you know, I, I like sharing a couple uh, eagle stories once in a while. They're fun. But, Josh, let's get into it here. We each have three moves. We thought this would be a good idea just because, you know, like I said at the top, the preseason's wrapping up. We're all kind of itching for football. So we wanted to kind of rack up, wrap up the preseason and not just kind of say the Dolphins signed a bunch of players. They drafted a few more. Instead, we're just going to give you our – top six, our spark notes, whatever, cliff notes, whatever you call them, here they are. And Josh, number one I have uh, is Eric Studsville and George Godsey taking over as the offensive coordinators. Uh, mostly, are we going to call them Studsy or Godville? I, I'm, I'm yet to figure that one out. What do you think? I tweeted out Stud God, and I don't know if anybody picked that up, but I thought, you know, being a, a stud of a, a, a God, I don't know, maybe it doesn't make sense. I'm trying to figure out what it means. I got nothing. A studly God, that, that's what I pictured. So Hercules, they're basically yeah, basically, Hercules. yeah. Yeah, awesome. except, the they're cartoon, both bald, except they're both bald and they have hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
You got that right. Uh, the reason I brought these guys up is because it's the third time in three seasons uh, the Miami Dolphins uh, under Brian Flores are going to have different offensive coordinators. Obviously, Chan was the man last year. Uh, the thing I think that's most interesting about this is we had that Miles Gaskin quote from a, a couple months ago uh, where he was talking about the running backs, where they saw the playbook, and it has changed, and everyone got really excited hearing that from Gaskin. And while he said it changed, he said it was really familiar. So, Josh, I want to ask, does that kind of sound like the lingo uh, from the Chan Gailey offense is going to transfer from year one to year two, but maybe the plays will be different? It helps a second-year quarterback like Tua not really hit those bumps because as it is the third time in three seasons, the offensive coordinators have switched. It seems like the playbook, the terminology, the lingo is pretty much the same from what Gaskin is telling us. Yeah. And you don't know how much of that is just, you know, from a basic football vocabulary standpoint, you know, how much of these offenses, you know, sound similar, but are different. And, you know, you mentioned this miles, Gaskin quote, but there were some quotes, you know, throughout training camp or the mini camps, I should say, um, where guys were saying, you know, this is a completely different playbook. You know, Flores himself said, you know, we spent most of those early uh, camps, you know, getting just acclimated, you know, just kind of mm. laying down the foundation of this thing. So um, I think it is going to be like you said, it's going to look entirely different, but I'm sure from, you know, verbal standpoint, you know, some of those plays that these guys, I think studs will himself say, you know, we're going to use some of those plays we had last year, you know, the stuff that worked and then we're also going to change some things. So I think it's going to be the best of both worlds, or at least we hope. And um, we'll talk about Charlie Fry later, but I think all three of those guys together, you know, um, should be able to take this offense to that next level. And, you know, if they can't, we might be looking for a fourth offense coordinator. <laughs> oh God. Studsville was uh, Miami's running back coach and run game coordinator last year. Godsey was the uh, uh, Titans the Titans. Uh, Godsey spent time with the Texans, excuse me, and when he was the offensive uh, coordinator, uh, the Texans were 29th in yards per game and 28th in scoring. Uh, Godsey's known Flores for a while, and I believe he was calling the plays when Chan Gailey missed a game. Am I, am I correct on that one, or was it Studsville? That that is a um, for some reason people I think what happened was um, Ro Robbie Brown the quarterback coach was out for that um, Arizona game and since Chan Gailey called plays up in the booth everyone saw Godsey down there with Tua oh, yes, but yes, Chan yes. Gailey didn't actually miss time so um, I, I mean nothing against you man I mean everyone I've had so many people reach out to me and say how comes Godsey called that game and how it comes it looks so much different but that was in fact Chan Gailey calling that game but right. Godsey was down there on the field and I think again you know maybe since that did look so well maybe that's just you know a sneak peek of what this offense might look like but. We do remember Brian Flores himself said if, if Gailey did miss any time, Studsville would have been that play caller. So um, I think this is the best of both worlds. I mean, you got a guy that's a pass game sort of, you know, coordinator, developed the tight ends, things like that. And then you got Studsville, who has been very good with these running backs. He's been here through regime after regime. So um, this is huge, Jake. I mean, this offense, we saw the defense last year. We need this offense to catch up and um, we're, we're putting all of our eggs in their, in their basket. Yeah, and both these guys have been in the league for a long time, so I don't think we should worry yet, at least. Obviously, we can't predict the future about the idea of, you know, something goes wrong and people start blaming each other. Um, I think these are two guys who, who understand what they're getting themselves into, accepting co-offensive coordinator positions. And, and Josh, I'm just going to wrap it up here uh, by saying, I mean, these guys could legitimately be Miami's off the field, Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller, in terms of just making that offense get so much better uh, with Tua in his second year. Yeah, and I hate to always bring it up, but I mean, every time we talk about these co-coordinators, I mean, you almost have to ask, Jake, do you see this being a problem? I mean, we know we look can look at the college ranks. You can look at some of the pro teams. I mean, we've seen these co-coordinators, you know, coexist. But do you think at some point this season, you know, this could be Godsey or Studsville? I mean, it's just an interesting development. And again, I would just wonder if at any point in the season, you know, we're going to see play calling duties taken from one guy to another. If you start to see this offense look anemic like it did at times last year. 
You're 100% right, and you're not the only one who has that concern. I think it's a major concern because this isn't something uh, we see necessarily often. I think the Patriots actually did it um, back in, in, what was it, the year they almost went perfect? What, 2013? No. Wow, 2008, I tr- right? I try to forget those those years. Any any positive New England year, let's just throw them out. They asterisks next to them. That's fair. And I still think I got the year wrong about that. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but Josh, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue just yet. I, I think these guys have been around the NFL and, and been in that coach's dynamic for so long. I don't think that'll be an issue. Uh, but, of course, when backs against the wall, things already always change. Moving on to number two, Josh, you hinted at it. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you think Charlie Fry is one of the biggest moves of the offseason. Yeah, Jake. I mean, at first, I think I started to look at this as some of those under-the-radar signings, and I think that's kind of where I went with at least two of my three. But to me, Charlie Fry, I mean, we sit here and you talked about this offense. There's two guys that have been here last year, have been with this team. You know, they're still in place, so what's changed? It's bringing in a guy like Charlie Fry, who, you know, developed some of those different concepts there at um, Central Michigan. Went 8-6 and six in 2019. The team averaged 30.43 points per game. He ran a much-balanced offense. They ran for over almost 3,000 yards on the ground, Jake. So, um it took a step back again in 2020, obviously a shortened season. But overall, I mean, I think what you see here is Charlie Fry is a guy that's, you know, he's a little bit younger. And I, I hate to use that terminology, but, you know, he's kind of in the college game as you're starting to see it expand. You're starting to see some of those um, schemes and some of those tendencies come over into the pro ranks. So I'm excited about this. And, you know, we didn't even talk about his relationship that he has with Tua Tungvaluwa. We know that he met with him and worked together at the Elite 11 Um you know, he knows what works best with two and knows what doesn't. So I'm excited to see him come in here and bring, you know, a lot of those concepts that he used at Central Michigan. And again, uh, almost take ownership of this because, you know, as we talked about Jalen Waddle, you know, one of the biggest things when the Dolphins drafted him was I was wondering if they could find a way to utilize him. Right. You know, a lot of those pre snaps getting the football in his hands and a lot of what we saw Charlie Fry do there at Central Michigan was those type of things. A lot of that pre snap motion, getting the ball into those playmakers hands and using, you know, space and different concepts like that to make this offense work. So again, I, I think this move is good going under the radar a little bit. And when everyone was sitting here, you know, let's get rid of Chan Gale. Let's bring in this guy and that guy, you know, this Charlie Fry signing was that move that, hopefully ignites this offense, you know, in unison with George Godsey and Eric Studsville. Editors know it was the 2007 Patriots, but Josh, you're 100% right. And I think my favorite point you brought up is that while the Dolphins are changing offensive coordinators, most of this coaching staff remains the same, right? You know, these are a lot of returning guys. Yes, we kind of had concerns about Chan Gailey, uh, you know, long-term. We didn't see that as a long-term vision. Uh, but we see how things are kind of developing and how you see that pipeline. Because the one thing that's for certain is that offensive uh, coordinators don't fly under the radar in the NFL, right? You have a half of a good year or you're near Sean McVay and all of a sudden you're going to have an opportunity uh, to try out or interview for a coach's job. So that's kind of been my big concern about the Dolphins isn't necessarily Brian Flores is the head coach. It's the fact that offensive coordinators are going to want to become head coaches and offer those jobs. But this pipeline, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Charlie Fry, uh, you know, as the offensive coordinator two, three years down the road. Of course, that that involves a lot of success, this regime still being here, and you know that certainly sounds like a best-case scenario for me. Going on to number three, Joshua. Will Fuller is signed. Jalen Waddell is drafted. The Dolphins, I think, are really under the microscope, specifically when it comes to Jalen Waddell, Josh, because you know the Dolphins had the third overall pick. They jumped back to 12, and, and they moved back up to six in order to secure Waddell. Uh, a lot of people said after the draft this was the guy the Dolphins wanted. Even there were some rumors before the draft uh, that Waddle was the guy. Some were even saying that he's the better uh, receiver between him and Devontae Smith. Uh, their splits were almost even when they played four games together last year. 
before Waddle started to miss some time with injuries. So, Josh, I think what Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle do is the Dolphins' playbook, I think, is going to look pretty similar to what it was last year. And we do love to talk about the tight windows the Dolphins were throwing to and how, you know, we need is great separation. The, the big word this offseason is separation. And there's no doubt that Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle do that. But they need to do it in the specific way that, you know, fits the offense, right? We can't have Mike Wallace out there alligator arming slant routes because that isn't what he does. You know, he can run in a straight line. Uh, so these are two guys where I think can really have a difference uh, in terms of just the development of the Miami Dolphins offense. I think it comes down to these two guys. If the team is going to go from what was it, you know, 15th in points per game up to, you know, they, they don't have to be incredible. This doesn't have to be a top five offense, especially with the defense, uh, but to kind of creep up and lurk around that top 10, I think it really leans on Will Fuller staying healthy. Jalen Waddle having a solid rookie season. I don't want to sit here and compare everyone to Justin Jefferson because uh, his rookie season was incredible. Rookie wide receivers don't usually hit the ground running. Uh, shout out Ten Gid, who just retired. Uh, but Josh, I, I see these two guys as the real factors for the Miami Dolphins offense. It goes farther than Tua because, you know, you get the ball in Fuller's hand. You get the ball in Waddle's hand. They're making plays, and, and that isn't really on Tua once, you know, the, the ball's in the air, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm almost picturing that Chris Forrester, you know, him uh, down there sniffing it up, like just injecting all this, Jake, because this is what you want. You want this speed. And, you know, I, I try to make video game references and try to make light of situations. You know, it's almost like the Dolphins, you know, you're Sonic and you ran into those blue shoes. You know, he just goes into a whole nother level of speed. I mean, that's what the Dolphins did here. You mentioned the separation. We love to talk about it. But Will Fuller last year, man, we talked about podcast after podcast. When Hopkins went, when they traded him away, I mean, this guy filled in as that number one and, you know, eight touchdowns, 879 yards, 53 receptions he can run that full route tree so I think you know he brings that speed but I think we're underestimating what he can bring as you know honestly a true number one wide receiver and then Jalen Waddle I mean I would be the first one to tell you again I would have stayed put I would have taken Devontae Smith but you know at the end of the day um, I'm doing what I'm doing because of that so Jalen Waddle we know there are teams who sat there and had him up there with what Kyle Pitch Trevor Lawrence I think Jacksonville did I mean this is a guy that people continue to compare to Tyreek Hill so you see where a player like that would fit into this offense I mean I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because we mentioned I mean at the top of this it was offense offense now you're acting these playmakers to what we just said about this offense taking that next step I mean these are the guys that the Dolphins brought in to help to a tongue of a low become that quarterback that we all hoped I just am so scared Jake that you know the same thing with the the Herbert Tua comparisons I mean you mentioned J Justin Jefferson but what happens if Devontae Smith goes out there and has a yep. thousand yards 10 touchdowns and you know we see what we expect from Jalen Waddle you know maybe five touchdowns you know six seven hundred yards I mean there's a lot of mouths to feed in this Dolphins offense there's no reason why people exactly. should expect him to go out there and do Justin Jefferson things but you know it's going to end up one way or the other the Dolphins made the wrong move but I think I love both these guys and um, I think, Jake, one thing that we're overlooking is Will Fuller's out the first game of the season. So Jalen Waddle yeah. right away is going to be pushed in there. And, man, what if he just goes in there and says, you know what, you're not taking my Unless job. Unless they use Jakeem Grant, right? <laughs> they could. You know, he hasn't been cut yet. I think I said about two months ago he was going, and he's, he's still hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to bring that up. But, I mean, I, I just look at this group, and it is exciting. And you mentioned the idea of a number one receiver. And I think my brain instantly goes to this, you know, the big physical guy who's going to catch 15 balls a game. But that's not necessarily what the Dolphins needed, right? They need guys who, you know, in the third or fourth quarter when the Dolphins need a spark and everyone on the defense knows that the ball is going to go in a certain direction, that it doesn't matter, right? That Will Fuller, I mean, he was the guy. Yes, Brandon Cooks was in Houston, but 
everyone you gotta stop Will Fuller. Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller was like that combo breaker, and and nobody could do it. And, and I think that's what the Dolphins really missed. Devontae Parker can do it a little bit, but just knowing that you have a guy who's going to make the play, you can't stop him, can't contain him. There's nothing you can do. It's you know, it's like trying to guard you know Michael Jordan in the playoffs. And don't no, I'm not trying to compare the two, but what I'm saying is too late. Somebody, too late. <laughs> womp womp. There go my mentions again. Uh, but. The idea of having guys who can make plays when you need them the most and it not just being the quarterback uh, is an exciting opportunity as a Dolphins fan, especially when you think about their red zone struggles last year. I mean, there were games they were kicking like six field goals. And the easiest way to solve red zone struggles is don't even worry about it. Why not go 40 yards for the touchdown? You know, why not get it inside the five more often instead of trying to nickel and dime down to the 20, down to the 15? Because that's tough. It gets really tough inside of the red zone uh, to find that open real estate, right? So I think these guys will do a good job of not only being those players that uh, defenses just, you know, you, we got to try to contain them. We got to try to limit them because we know we can't stop them. And, and being those red zone guys. So, Josh, our first three, we're all offense. Let's take a little break here. And on the other side, I think you can guess we have three on the defense. So stay tuned. Let's do it. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Jake, you mentioned it was all offense at the top of the show. We are going to talk about defense. And I mentioned this is one of those under-the-radar signings acquired back on March 17th for a 2021 seventh-round pick from the Houston Texans in exchange for defensive end Shaq Lawson and a 2021 sixth-round pick. I'm talking about, of course, the Miami Dolphins' new middle linebacker, Bernardrick McKinney. 500 total tackles in his career, a former 2008 Pro Bowl. We know that really doesn't mean anything. But, Jake, I think a lot of people, you know, when the signing happened, it was right before, I think, Frage happened. And then after that, everything kind of got lost. And I think what Bernardrick McKinney, again, I said he's the perfect middle linebacker for this Dolphins defense. I said it in a previous podcast. You know, all these years I kept thinking that Rayquan McMillan was this very good linebacker. And in my head, I thought he was, you know, an all-pro, a pro bowl or something like that. I mean, I think that's what Bernardrick McKinney can be. I think he's kind of that player that I pictured in my head, that guy that can cover, is going to be an asset in the run game. And, you know, kind of Kind of reminds me a lot of Dante Hightower up there in New England. So um, I, I love this move when it happened. I think he's going to add a whole different dynamic to the to the run game and that defense. But again, Jake, I mean, this is a guy that's four years left on his contract. I looked it up. He's making $7 million this year, $9 million next year, and roughly $10 million the next year. And then the Dolphins have an option on his contract when he hits – the age of 32 in 2024. So not only did they bring in a starter who, you know, I love Shaq Lawson, but I think Bernard McKinney does more for this defense than Shaq Lawson did. But then they bring in a guy who's locked up for a pretty significant yeah. amount of time. And, you know, the only reason people aren't even talking about Bernard McKinney is because he did get to have that shoulder injury last season. Because before that, again, he was a pro bowler, one of the best linebackers in football. So uh, I had to throw him out there because this is a guy that some fans, you know, might not remember the Dolphins made a move for him, to be completely honest. Till you know, you see him out there in camp with the awesome face paint and he's knocking Miles Gaskins on his ass for a loss of two or something like that. <laughs> Man, that would be nice because it seems like the Dolphins have whiffed on linebacker after linebacker. Philip Wheeler, Danell LRB. I mean, Carlos Dansby and what Kevin Burnett, was that his name? I want to say AJ Burnett, but that was a pitcher. Uh, yeah, the no, Dolphins right. have had decent 
they've had decent guys, but I mean, back to the you know Joey Porter and, and Zach Thomas. I mean, they they've really swung and missed on linebackers. I like the signing of uh, McKinney, and it's kind of interesting because this isn't a move that I think happened overnight. Um, as Benjamin Albright, uh, Denver Broncos insider, says, it all goes down in the DMs. And uh, we got to shout out the uh, CEO, founder of uh, Pro F- Football Network, uh, Matthew Kanata, because he was he was saying in our DMs, right? He was saying that uh, the Dolphins wanted McKinney when they were talking about the Laramie Tunsil deal. Uh, this is a guy that Brian Flores has had his eye on for quite some time. And, you know, I love the fact that you brought up that he's locked down for four years because this isn't just a Band-Aid. Josh, I think Shaq Lawson was on contract for like two more years. Uh, to have someone like McKinney come in, and I think he can actually be cut relatively soon, uh, and the Dolphins don't really have to eat a lot of dead money. So this is a perfect opportunity to view this, in a sense, as a rookie contract where you're figuring out if this guy belongs, is this our linebacker of the future? And, you know, if, if he's locked up for the next four years and he's playing maybe not, you know, Pro Bowl because a lot of that, you know, fan voting, yada, 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 it's not that great of a barometer. But if he can be a serviceable middle linebacker for the next three, four years next to Jerome Baker, I mean, you will, you will not hear one Dolphins fan complaining after the nonsense we've dealt uh, with for years. And, I mean, no offense to players like Raquan McMillan, but, uh, you know, I, the linebacker's been such a harsh spot for the Dolphins. Uh, just I just always think about that Packers game with Phillip Wheeler on a tight end. They called timeout <laughs> and they kept Phillip Wheeler out there. Uh, we got to keep a tally going about how often I bring up that play. We both do. We love that. To this day. Oh, man, it's brutal. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think McKinney is a very underrated signing. It wasn't a free agent move. Uh, it was, The Dolphins and Texans aren't, you know, top-tier teams, so it wasn't, you know, that Brian Flores mastermind. He's got his middle linebacker. But us as fans, uh, we're going to kind of take things with a little more uh, energy and passion. I like this deal a lot. I like it in terms of money. I like it in terms of fit. Uh, this is a great pick, Josh. I, I have no doubts that uh, I think McKinney can be a strong linebacker and really bump this Dolphins uh, defensive unit to that, maybe I'm going to say, Josh, that elite level. Talk dirty to us, Jake. Talk dirty. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to say there, but I, I looked it up, man. Shaq Lawson, I mean, the Dolphins gave him a three-year, $30 million deal. So, I mean, when I mentioned those numbers inflating over these next few years, I don't even know what. The third year, I think, you know, Bernard McKinney was making close to $10 million, So, the Dolphins kind of saved money here and, again, mm-hmm. uh, got rid of a very good defensive end. I mean, we all liked what Shaq Lawson did. Came in here and did everything the Dolphins expected of him. But um, I saw, I think, like you said, they saw a guy that they've been eyeing up for a while, saw an opportunity to pounce, and they brought him in here. And I think we're going to see, you know, him – Add another element to that Dolphins defense, but Jake, this next guy, I mean, we may as well jump right into Jalen Phillips. He's in the I mean, circle. He's in yeah, the we, circle of fame. He is, and we drool all we we drool. God, I'm drooling all over myself. We're drooling just, on him. Yeah, I'm drooling just talking about. But we we love this player, and I mean, we just did our um our book club on him. We talked about all the potential he can bring to this, Jake. But but uh, you know, I put him down. But why don't you talk about Jalen Phillips? Because I know you feel just as equally as strongly about him as I do. It really seems like a guy that. Despite all his injury issues, the last year, last year plus, has really gone his way. And you see the vision of what he is capable of. And it goes back to him transferring to Miami and and the starting defensive end at the time just kind of, I think it was the day after, Josh, saying, I'm going to step away. I'm not going to play this year due to the the COVID-19 pandemic. And Phillips got that chance to start, and you just kind of saw the freak of nature he is. Uh, He is someone who can really penetrate an offensive line and Throw plays in the garbage can, I guess, is the best way to say it. Uh, the Dolphins have had guys in the run game who, you know, can take up two blocks, that can, you know, push wide or 
They've had guys that can push running backs into situations where the linebackers can, you know, make a play. Phillips is a guy who's going to straight up make the play on his own. You know, there's 11 guys, and 11 guys are needed to make a defensive uh, unit tick. But one guy is all you need to make a tackle, right? And, and I think Jalen Phillips can be that guy. I think he's going to have opportunities early, especially being listed as a linebacker where he can play inside, he can play outside a little bit. I mean, He's a first-round pick for a reason, Josh. Despite his injury issues, despite his bad luck, I mean, the last year for Jalen Phillips has been pretty awesome, and I think it started with that picture coming out of him wearing a Dolphin sweater while at the beach or on a boat yeah, I think, or something. I think it was all, you know, uphill from there. But uh, I sat here and I was trying to figure out the right word to say about Jalen Phillips because we talked about it time and time again, but I forgot I wrote something down here, Jake. So, um, you know, I don't want to get into all the stats because we already did that, but I think what he can bring to this defense will help everyone. You know, we're sitting here talking about mm -hmm. Xavier Howard's contract. You know, what's better if you lose – well, it, nothing's good if you lose Xavier Howard. Let's just take – if <laughs> Everything you take Xavier sucks. Howard of this defense, you know, it, your defense is definitely going to – feel that a little bit but you know if you throw Noah Igbenogany in there opposite of Byron Jones what's the best way to counter you know some of that inexperience get into the quarterback quicker and you know bringing in a guy like Jalen Phillips I think he's going to add that different dynamic that you know Andrew Van Ginkle's fine you know Jerome Baker's fine all those guys are taking the next step they're very good players we love them but I think what Jalen Phillips does is just a whole nother level and that's why I'm so excited to see what he can do there because you mentioned him being listed as a linebacker I don't know what that means for the Dolphins I mean I think he's going to be all over the defensive line going to be standing up dropping back in coverage doing a little bit of everything Thing, but um, this guy just brings a whole different dynamic than what the Dolphins are used to. And with Bernard McKinney and Jalen Phillips, I don't know how the Dolphins defense isn't going to be better. And, you know, um, we sat here, we all wanted that shiny new running back, myself included, but it was either Javante Williams or, you know, Najee Harris or um, Travis Etienne or Jalen Phillips. And, you know, instantly I was happy with that Jalen Phillips pick. Josh, you ask how the defense can get worse. Uh, number six for me is probably the only way I think the Dolphins defense could get worse other than, you know, ex trading Xavier Howard and Flores wanting to go full Laramie Tunsil and do another rebuild just because. Just uh, and that's Bobby McCain going out and Javon Holland coming in. Uh, Jason McCourty was also signed by the team. So I'm not going to pencil in Holland as that starting safety yet. But the key here about Phillips and, and Holland, Josh, is that these were the top, you know, defensive ends and safeties taken in the draft. The Dolphins had the pick of the litter, and they chose Phillips and Javon Holland as those guys. So this is another time that, you know, I mentioned it in the first half, that the Dolphins are going to be stuck under that microscope. Because if there's two, three guys that are, are better than Jalen Phillips and better than Javon Holland, I mean, that, that goes right on Brian Flores and right on Chris Greer. So I, that's, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but it's something to kind of keep in mind. And Josh, thinking about last season, I mean, you think about the game against the Chiefs. Uh, when Bobby McCain had to go out. You think about the game against the Cardinals, the biggest weakness for this Miami Dolphins defense is when Bobby McCain, despite being such a small dude, wasn't on the top of the Miami's defense because he really capped what opposing offenses could do downfield just by being that ball hawk, having that rhythm, having that motion. And to go from an experienced guy like Bobby to someone like Javon Holland or to someone like Jason McCourty, uh, who might start playing a little more safety. I know he did it a bit last year, but become one of those, you know, I guess full-time starters for the Dolphins. There's there's not a lot guaranteed in that compared to what they had in Bobby McCain. Yeah, Jake, and I mean, I hate that we're in the podcast on this kind of, you know, 
down note, but you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things we've kind of talked about throughout this offseason is the Dolphins are relying so much on these young players to take that next step. You know, you got rid of Kyle Van Noy, you know, we know why they got rid of him. You know, there's other players that are ready to step up, but you lost that veteran presence. You lost that guy that's been a team captain. You know, I was down on Bobby McCain. I didn't like what he was as a free safety. But then this year, I mean, we all saw that value there. We saw this defense, like you said, when he wasn't in the lineup. So that to me is definitely a huge concern. And, you know, that trickles down to the Andrew Van Ginkles and some of those other guys that they're asking to take that next step. But you're absolutely right to see how Javon Holland's going to go out there and just, you know, not only be a vocal leader on the field, but see how he's going to be able to understand and get acclimated to that NFL game. It's going to be interesting. But I think, you know, when you listen to Gerald Alexander talk, when you listen to Josh Boyer and Brian Flores, I think they all think the world of him. And, you know, I guess, you know, they wouldn't have made this move, you hope, if they didn't feel that confident in what Javon Holland can do. So I don't think he's going to be that traditional free safety, you know, maybe as Bobby McCain was. I think, you know, we might see Holland drop down a little bit more and play in the box because, you know, he does play much bigger than the, the uh, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick, who we all sent, we all used to love. You know, he plays a little bit bigger than him, can drop down the box, can play nickel, and, you know, isn't scared to get his hands dirty, so to speak. So uh, I think the Dolphins, a lot of their, their success on defense is going to come down to, you know, not only Bernard Kennedy and Jalen Phillips, but a huge, huge question surrounding Javon Holland and whether or not, not he can be that true dynamic playmaker the Dolphins drafted and be right away. Yeah, and it's interesting, I guess, uh, for the most part, because Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe, and Javon Holland – kind of all play the same position in terms of that safety or can that can come in the box. We know what Eric Rowe can do against tight ends. Um, and Brandon Jones can really develop into that. And I think Holland, too, in terms of the physicality. Uh, but in terms of the ball skills, in terms of being that top of the defense, is, is a whole other world. I think that's probably, Josh, the biggest question I have about this Miami Dolphins defense. Um, as we saw last year, when you have a strong secondary, the pass rush always finds a way. Uh, so that, that's not a huge, huge worry for me. It's going to be cool to kind of see if Andrew Van Genkel can take that next step and Jalen Phillips come in and even someone like Vince Beagle come back and say, hey, don't forget about me. Uh, but that that safety position is probably my biggest question mark. And, and I'm excited to hear what Holland does in, in camp. I'm excited to see where McCourtney's going to line up uh, because, Josh, you mentioned a good point there. The Dolphins aren't focused on veterans, right? They're not relying on veterans. But I think some of the most underrated players on this team might be those veteran signings, whether it's a McCourty. DJ Fluker looks awesome. I mean, he could be starting on the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins. He could upend one of the young guys and step in. I think a big strength of this Miami Dolphins team is depth, and it's because they are leaning on young guys and they have the older veterans coming in to kind of fill those holes and provide that depth where the Dolphins really are starting to have strong units at receiver at offensive line where we didn't really see that in the past. So that's, that's been a little bit exciting. Josh, somehow, some way, listeners, somehow, some way, Josh, we made it through the off season. By the next time I'm sitting down with you miles and miles away from each other, we're going to be talking about live news. Players are reporting this week. I'm a little jazzed up. I don't know about you, but I'm a little jazzed up because the one show a week talking about last season's fun, but I mean, man, I hope we don't suck this year. <laughs> I hope we don't suck this year, too. And I don't know if you meant to say, I mean, you were saying that so casually, but that was like a Ted Lasso speech. Like I was ready to run through a freaking wall after listening to that man. And um, I, before we get off the subject, I just want to throw this out there. What if the Dolphins bring him Malik Hooker? I mean, we saw him posting what was it, eye emojis or smiley faces yesterday. We know they brought him in. I mean, you bring him in. He has experience of free safety. And then, no, again, like you said, they have a lot of depth here. And with this 
regime, as we've seen, you know, the cream rises to the top. So, Jake, uh, sorry I went back a little bit before we're going to go forward, but I cannot wait. I am so thankful that this offseason's over because it has been, you know, it's it's been like pulling, it's been one of the harder off seasons to get through with all the drama and BS that we've had to go through. But hey, we made it. We're the world's greatest. <laughs> There's no doubt about that, and and things are relatively more normal, right? We're gonna see more fans in the crowd. I mean, that's the weirdest thing about watching those 2020 games is just, I mean, Miami had a relatively good size amount of fans compared to the rest of the NFL, but I mean, it certainly wasn't the same. But this is it, Josh. We're recording this on Wednesday. I'm going to go on a little vacation. I'm going to put my feet in the sand for a few days, a couple Bud Light Limes uh, sitting by my side. And, and when we come back, Josh, I'm going to be ready. This is our call to action for the fans uh, of the show, the people who join us, the people who listen to us, and, and the people who yell at us and call us idiots, too. Go enjoy this weekend. Go. Don't do much about football. Listen to this podcast, of course. But otherwise, don't do much because when we come back, it is going to be the start of the season, fantasy, drama action whatever it may be the 2021 season is coming and so you should probably go enjoy this last weekend maybe maybe listen to some baseball don't watch baseball i prefer to listen to it on the radio uh but something else i'm give you guys one more call to action follow josh on twitter you really got to follow josh on twitter at h-o-u-t-z it, it's that simple i mean he's got nearing 20k followers on twitter i think that's probably near the top of the dolphins fan base uh so I think he must be doing something right. So hit him with a follow. If you guys are liking the show, if you're jacked up about the season and ready to go about it with us, hit that subscribe button. That stuff, uh, adding subscribers, I know you might just get it on your feed, uh, search us, and it'll be in your recent shows. But the more people that subscribe, the more people find the show. So that stuff helps us out quite a bit. And just begging for uh, help over here. If you guys want to you know, leave a review, that stuff puts a little extra pep in our stuff. We have a lot of fun doing it. And and who knows, we might do another Jersey giveaway surrounding those reviews. So so stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're definitely doing a Jersey giveaway at some point. And, Are you um, going to say who it is? Should we say who, who we're thinking? I don't know. Are, are, have we confirmed it? I think we were still kind of teetering. But if you want, if you say it, I'm, I mean, we're confirmed. You want to say it? Go ahead. After last year, I mean, I thought we kind of uh, – Created our own path because we we did a Solomon Kinley jersey. And since he's already in the ring of honor, you know, this jersey is going to be worth something for a while. I think we're going to do a Jalen Phillips uh, jersey giveaway. I can't see anyone being mad about getting that jersey. It's kind of like the Jay Cutler jersey, right? Where I can, you know, wear it no matter what and everyone's going to like it, right? That, that, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, that's because they think it's a Pat White jersey or a Limbona Jr. jersey. That's that's what the real thing is. But um, Jake, um, I'm overrated. That's the only reason I'm nearing 20,000. But we need to get Jake more followers, guys. <laughs> no. Please, for the love of God, follow him at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Jake's going to have take a little vacation here. I'm going to take a little vacation here. When we come back, we're going to bring you as good of coverage as we have ever brought you for the Miami Dolphins Super Bowl push. Guys, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. For the Jake and Josh Show, part of Finsider Radio, I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.